Welcome to the Functional Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Holt. I'm an integrative and functional medicine nutritionist with a feisty attitude in well over a decade of clinical experience. I work with women all over the world through my online programs. And I'm also the founder of the Functional Nutrition Academy, a school in practitioner mentorship where we help other clinicians level up with functional medicine methodologies. I've got a bone to pick with diet culture and the conventional healthcare model that are both systematically failing so many of us. Creating a new model is my life's work, and this is what this show's all about. Please keep in mind this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. If you like what you hear today, I would love for you to subscribe to the show, leave a review in iTunes, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Now give me the mic so I can take it away. Hello, my friends. Two weeks ago, we released episode 240, Neurobiology of Chronic Conditions, where I talked about what's happening at a brain-based level with chronic ongoing conditions. And I got a really interesting question. How, if at all, does this information apply to hormones and hormonal health and hormonal balance? And that's exactly what I'm going to answer in today's episode. This is a piece, a segment of an older podcast episode that I am pulling out and re-releasing here because it answers the exact question, how does what's happening on the brain level impact our hormones? I was just interviewed on Caitlin Murray's podcast, A Big Time Adulting, and this is some of what we really got into. Her question was like, I'm eating right. I'm doing all the right things. I'm moving my body. I'm not over-restricting. I'm not over-training. I'm taking care of myself. Like, What gives? What else is out there for hormones? And so we really had to talk about this and unpack this. So tune in, maybe grab a pen and a paper because this one's going to be kind of information rich. Take some notes if you get down with that. And a quickie relevant announcement. Today is the day. YHR, your hormone revival is officially open. So you can head to the website, thefunctionalnutritionist.com forward slash YHR to get yourself signed up. We've got pay in full options, payment plans. We've got you covered. Would love to have you as this will be the last live round of this amazing program that I've been running for years, helped hundreds of women balance their hormones, feel good, get answers, have babies, you name it. So I would absolutely love to have you. And today is going to help you understand why we take a brain down perspective in that program. So enjoy. So I've addressed on the show before how so much of our medical research has been done on males. Male physiology is just a little bit easier to study because it's pretty straightforward, whereas women have hormones, yay, and they fluctuate throughout the course of a month, right? So it's not as stable. It's not as steady eddy. Um, but what we're seeing now, which, you know, super grateful for, is that there is more attention to female physiology. There is more attention being paid to female hormones, and there's a lot more conversations being had about this. Um, And I'm starting to see questions come through in my channels that go something like this. How do I regulate my hormones, right? We've identified that hormone imbalance can be a problem. So the question is like, well, how do I fix that problem? How do I regulate my hormones? What are quick tips to balance my hormones? What's a good hormone reset plan, 
And so the way I'm always paying attention, not just to the questions people ask, but the way they ask the questions and the words that they use, because the way that these questions are phrased tells me that we're still not fully understanding how the whole system with all all its subsystems all work together, how they all interface. Because if you really want to regulate, to use that word, hormones, you have to go all the way up to the top. You have to go to the master regulator, which is the brain. And so that's going to be the focus of our chat today. There is no reset button for hormones. Hormones are out of whack in response to other things, right? So I, I, again, I've talked about this concept on the show. I really think it's, you know, so many of these concepts have to be repeated over and over and over. So if you're brand new to the show, you'll get some new tidbits. If you are a longtime listener, you'll hear some, um, some themes repeated, but I think they're all pretty worthy of repeating. So if you think about the hor- uh, hormones, it's kind of like a gauge on the car. It's alerting you to something that, that is off right? Like something is, you got to pay attention to something here. So when uh, in your hormone revival, we're always kind of like trying to figure out what is the thing? What are the thing that could be throwing the hormones off? Um, and I'm really like, to, you know, I'm really thoughtful about the way that I name my program. So it's your hormone revival. What's the definition of revival? It's to make someone or something strong, healthy, or active again. And that is always my goal, right? With hormone, it's, it, we talk about hormones we learn about hormones, but ultimately the goal and the intention is to revive that vitality in you. It's, it's in you. It's still in you. I promise. I want to remind you that it's still there. It might be lying dormant. So we have to kind of remove all of the blocks to that vitality that's still deep in you. And I want to remind you that your body is always trying to heal itself. Always. We just need to figure out the ways we're interrupting that process, right? We've got to identify the blocks and remove them. That's part of the YHR process. Um, the other definition for revival is renewed attention or interest in something, which I think it kind of speaks to like hormones. You know, female hormones are getting their time in the sun right now. Um, and I've referred to the YHR education modules as a user's manual for your own body. We, we kind of like attempt to demystify your body's uh, symptoms because symptoms are basically just you know, your body's communication. What is your body trying to tell you? What is your body communicating to you? Like, do you have a system in place for listening to what your body's trying to tell you? Yes or no? If not, we should probably put one in place because it's kind of a big deal. It's really important. We also want to decode these symptoms. Like, what do they mean? And understand the body systems at large. And honestly, it's this, it's really this reason that uh, my podcasts, like any content that I put out, my podcasts, Instagram, and especially my programs are always so information and education heavy. I get that it's a lot. I get that not everybody wants to know like high level detail, but for a lot of people, I think it's wicked important to start to understand our bodies, to start to understand all the systems that you're working with, how they interact with each other. And if you have this understanding, then you can understand why you're doing what you're doing. And you can understand what you need to do to make changes. I think about the Joe Dispenza quote. As soon as I heard it, I was like, get my notepad, got to write this one down. He said, the importance of assigning meaning to what you're doing causes you to gain value from the experience. 
So if we can understand how our thoughts, our actions, and our behaviors can influence physiology, we're going to be really motivated to do the things to start to change this so we can influence our physiology. And we're going to be more motivated to stick with the practice of doing that because we understand the why. And we're derive, if we understand the why, we can derive value from it. And this is the way that we can begin to use our own biology to heal. It's this education, it's this understanding that becomes the catalyst for change. So this is why I love to lead with information. Um, But, 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 but the information is not the only, like the the information not going to be the thing to save you. I refer to it as the it factor. I've probably mentioned the it factor here on the show before. I talk about it a lot with my mentees in the Functional Nutrition Academy um, as it relates to running a practice and all that kind of stuff. But the it factor stands for information, integration, and transformation. We need to consume, you know, learn new information totally. But then in order to really make changes, we have to integrate that information. So think about how much information, okay, so if, you, if you're multitasking, if you've kind of drifted off, I want you to come back to me now at this part, at this part. Think about how much information you consume about health, right? Are, maybe you're consuming podcasts, you're reading articles online, you're on Instagram, you're on TikTok. I don't know what you get up to, but think about how much information is coming at you on any given day. We know that for the most part, just having the information doesn't create the changes we desire. So my next question is, and this is an important one, how much time do you spend consuming information versus how much time do you spend integrating information? Uh, and like, just as a little PS, as a little aside here, if you're someone who is constantly scrolling, constantly consuming, and you've identified as a problem, um, stay to the end because we're going to talk about why that might be the case. And it actually has a lot to do with what's going on at the level of your brain and your neurotransmitters. All right. So stick around to the end. But right now, think about how much time you spend consuming information versus how much time you spend integrating it. That's a big one. So I remember a few episodes ago when I was talking about when I went to, uh, I did my like little mini retreat and how people were like, yeah, girl, get it, get it, get it. Fill up that cup, girl. Like they were giving, (laughs) they were all giving me the advice, you know, about like why I should put myself first and take this time. And I'm like, like, this is me doing it. This is, this is me doing it. Um, This is me leaving. This is me leaving. Uh, Name that movie. Uh, But that I was kind of like, right. Right. Totally. I'm embodying it. Like I'm, this is me integrating it. I understand that information is that I need to make myself a priority. I have to take care of myself. I have to fill up my cup first. That's why I'm actively doing it. I'm integrating it. Right. And that was kind of the question that I proposed to you. Like, are you doing it? Are you integrating the information that you have, that information that's sitting in your brain? It's not making changes unless you're taking action on that information. That's the integration step. And if we can integrate the information that we have, then sky's the limit. Sky's the limit. That's where the transformation comes from. That's where the change comes from. And this is why your hormone revival, by the way, is a three-month container. It builds out the space for that integration. And it's why we have the Sunday sessions. It's an opportunity to actually practice what you're learning in the program. It's the information plus the integration. 
regardless if you do YHR, you still have to create this space if you want to change something. So really think about that. How can you create space to integrate something, integrate the information that you're, you're learning about your health if you want to change your health? Uh, and this applies to obviously anything else, career, business, relationships, anything that you want to change. Now, let's drill in a little bit more um, to brains and hormones and how brain, our brain really impacts our hormonal health. And if we're trying to balance our hormones and we're not thinking about the brain, then we're missing something pretty major because our brain has to tell everything else in our body, our organs, our glands, our muscles, whatever. The brain has to tell those things what to do. And in order for the brain to communicate effectively and appropriately and precisely, the brain has to be healthy and the brain has to be balanced. Um, We have talked so much about the HPA axis. The HPA axis stands for hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis. So it's a communication system where the hypothalamus communicates with the pituitary gland, which then sends chemical messengers to the adrenal glands and the adrenal glands release hormones and and other compounds to go do things. So all of that requires and relies on communication from the brain first because the hypothalamus and the pituitary gland are in the brain. In episode 161, I talked about some of the science about how fear affects the body and the brain. Um, So if you haven't listened to that one yet and you're kind of like very interested in this topic that I'm talking about now, I would suggest that you pause here, go back and mark that episode, episode 161, as like a play next or download it or save it in some way because this conversation really builds off of that one. And if you're vibing with this one, you're going to want to hear that one too. I can guarantee it. And we're going to quickly interrupt this discussion to shout out our show sponsors. As a reminder, the support of our sponsors is what allows the Functional Nutrition Podcast to continue to pump out new content to you. So we always thank them. We hope that you support them too. So one thing I do for blood sugar support, especially around my workouts, is amino acid supplementation. I put Keon aminos in my water bottle to take to the yoga studio or the gym, and I drink it either before or after my workout, sometimes both. I also like that it enhances my recovery. I feel less sore. Leucine-enriched amino acids help to reduce soreness and aid in muscle repair. And Keon aminos contains 40% leucine plus all nine essential amino acids. So that's kind of why it's a really good fundamental support for fitness. It's backed by over 20 years of clinical research, highest quality ingredients. There's no fillers. There's no junk. It undergoes rigorous quality testing and tastes really good. Save 20% on monthly deliveries and 10% on one-time purchases. If you go to getkeon.com forward slash funk, that's G-E-T-K-I-O-N.com slash F-U-N-K to get my fundamental supplement for fitness, Keon Aminos. And I want to take a sec to shout out Organifi Green Juice because I have had my family drinking a lot of it lately. We recently had our well water tested and guess what? We found out that we have arsenic and uranium in our drinking water. Not crazy uncommon for New Hampshire, but still pretty gnarly. So I'm using Organifi Green Juice as part of a gentle detox support. It's got wheatgrass, moringa, spirulina, chlorella, matcha, all of these dense green powders can be extremely supportive here. The green juice also has a clinical dose of ashwagandha, which is an adaptogen that I love for stress reduction, relaxation, healthy immune system, healthy hormones. 
it comes in two flavors. Both taste great. We've got original, which is like a minty flavor, and then crisp apple. Also, Organifi powders are glyphosate residue free, which is a really big deal when you're buying any superfood powders, especially if you're doing it with the intention of helping you detoxify. So you can head to Organifi.com forward slash funk to save 20%. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash F-U-N-K to save yourself 20%. All right, back to the show. So in that episode, we talked a lot about the limbic system, which is a part of the brain. And the limbic system has this feedback loop, like so many things do in the body. Um, Trauma produces actual physiological changes, and it really recalibrates the brain's alarm system. Now, Trauma, of course, it doesn't have to be this huge event. Um, In that episode, we discuss adverse childhood experiences. We explored illness as trauma, injury, uh, navigating modern healthcare as like a traumatic event. Uh, I mean, it could be as, you know, just navigating the past two plus years. You know, hormones and neurotransmitters are shot. You know, I do a lot of lab testing in my practice. I'm seeing the effect, the wear down effect on the last two years. Uh, It could be a stressful experience. But whatever it is, the initial trauma or the initial experience can impair the limbic system function, um, which includes the amygdala. The amygdala, remember, is our fear center. It activates the fight or flight response. It it kind of kicks off that whole HPA communication system. It rings the alarm bells. Um, and once the alarm bells are rung, it's creating stress hormones, cortisol, epinephrine, norepinephrine, And when then these are released, it then reactivates the limbic system saying, yep, okay, it's stressful, be in fear, you know, stay high alert. And this is why it's referred to as a feedback loop because it's kind of like reinforcing itself. And then with this whole system, the hippocampus in the brain is also involved. The hippocampus uh, stores memory of any trauma so we can protect ourselves in the future. You know, so it's kind of like the the classic example is like you touch the hot stove, ouch, don't do it again. That's stored in the hippocampus. Um, So basically any past experience of danger will will directly activate the amygdala and say we're in danger. So the hippocampus stores it, hippocampus stores it, and then if it happens again, it's going to activate the amygdala, the fear center, high alert, high alert, high alert. And then... The hypothalamus is also involved in all of this. These are just different parts of the brain. Um, and the hypothalamus is kind of a big deal. It's kind of a BFD because it regulates pretty much the entire internal environment. It basically sets up any and all of the chemical messenger uh, messengers that need to be released in the bloodstream. Those chemical messengers are released to go talk to organs and glands and tell them what to do. So, of course... The uh, hypothalamus is going to like kind of set the pace of all of this. It's going to set, you know, this communication system up, which is going to impact everything, inflammation, autoimmunity, hormones. So the brain and everything that's happening at the level of the brain really impacts, has these downstream impacts. So if we're talking about hormones, right, if we're helping you balance your hormones in YHR, we, of course, we're going to address those downstream things. We're going to address things at the level of the adrenals, um, you know, the adrenals that pump out certain chemicals, certain hormones. We're going to address things at the level of the ovaries. We're going to address things at, 
the level of the glands that are actually producing the hormones. Supporting them makes good sense. No one's going to argue that. Um, but we also have to swim upstream, right? This is a functional root cause approach. And when, in you know, the labs that we run, the functional lab testing that we run can really help us drill into specifically what needs to be supported. Those labs can clue us into the root causes and they can help us see why someone is feeling that the way that they are. And that's a really validating feeling. When when we can pinpoint and show you that your lived experience, how you feel, matches up with the data that we're seeing on the lab, that's a pretty, pretty like whoa moment because most people aren't getting that other you know in healthcare uh in fact just the opposite just last or a couple of weeks ago I shared on Instagram um some quotes I I take lots of notes when I'm working with a client um it's just part of how my brain <laughs> works pen to paper ps your brain works the same way so if you're trying to learn something, um, try to take pen or pencil to to paper rather than just like typing into your phone or into a computer. It's kind of like a way to cement it in. But anyway, I I was seeing, I was doing some, I was charting some notes and I was seeing very common pattern. And so these are direct quote polls from clients. I spent five minutes in that office and he dismissed me and told me there's nothing wrong. I've been referred to psychology because they said it's all in my head. My doctor told me, your symptoms are annoying, but not dangerous. I always assume it's just in my head because that's what I've been told my whole life. I'm not getting the help I need from providers, right? It's, it is, we're going in, we're saying, this is my experience. This is my story. This is what, how I feel in my body. And then we're being met with, yeah, but like your labs are fine. So maybe here's a prescription for antidepressants. Um, one of my friend works in healthcare and mental health. And she says she's just getting bombarded with people who have real physical symptoms in their body, but their PCPs are referring them to her to write a prescription for anti-anxiety and antidepressant medication. So we're just, that's constantly being reinforced that these physical things that are going on in your body are not real. Um, so anyway, so I, I do, I love, I love functional lab testing for that reason, because it really helps to validate and it helps us to pinpoint and drill in. Um, and because I take a functional approach, of course, I'm using these, but I often joke that I am attempting to get to like the root of the root of the root of the root of the root. So we don't always see that on labs, but the lab gives me an, an entry point to start to be like, ooh, okay, but how did we get here? Especially when it comes to hormones, right? And so if we're trying to get to the root cause of hormone imbalance, we do have to swim upstream. What is the brain telling these organs to do. So we have that HPA axis that is pumping out stress hormones, hypothalamus, pituitary, adrenal. We have the HPT axis, hypothalamus, pituitary, thyroid, which is pumping out thyroid hormones. And then we have the hypothalamic, uh, hypothalamus, pituitary, gonadal axis, HPG axis, which is pumping out sex hormones. It's all starting at the level of the hypothalamus. You know, <laughs> That's the top of the axis. And the hypothalamus is in the brain. So whatever's happening here is going to affect the entire body. So we have to support all key players, not just the glands themselves. We also want to take a top-down approach. So when somebody says, how do I regulate my hormones? I'm like, I want to go to the brain and I want to help you self-regulate your hormones 
versus just going in and trying to like replace things like, oh, you're low in, you know, you're low in progesterone. Let me just give you some progesterone. Although, you know, that could be super, super supportive where I'm always taking a self-regulate approach if we can, you know, we want to start there. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the estrogen histamine link and so many of you guys were stoked on that episode and we're like, give me more, give me more. Um, it's like a Britney Spears song, but you have to understand that both of these chemicals happen at the top of the chain. Estrogen gets made based on what the hypothalamus tells the ovaries to do. Histamine is, you know, kind of part of the whole infl inflammatory response and inflammation and stress in the brain can cause mast cells to release histamine. So it's like, what's the brain telling the body to produce? Another uh, really common hormone imbalance is low progesterone. And of course, we make progesterone through ovulation. Unsuccessful ovulation is a huge problem. And so we have to ask why. Well, information from the brain is not getting to the ovaries to encourage ovulation. Why? Well, this can be triggered by any lack of safety signal. This could be stress. This could be underfueling, overtraining, not eating uh, an appropriate diet. This could be thought patterns. But if the hypothalamus is getting signals of lack of safety based on the external environment, then this is going to impact the downstream effects. Um, we also have to kind of understand that we all have our own unique filters, and these filters impact the way that we see the world. Uh, these filters are often based on beliefs that we have built that were based on previous memories, previous experiences. So I can have the same set of circumstances happen to me as you, right? We can have, you and I can both have the same set of circumstances happen, but because of my own unique filters, the way I interpret the experience might be different. And so that's a really important thing to understand and to kind of work through is, is how our filters affect our thoughts. And then our thoughts can trigger the brain. And pretty much when it comes to hormone balance, we have to address all of this. And so that's why I build out because I want to make this available in a hormone program. If this is important for balancing hormones, I want to make this available to you. So that's where the coaching calls come in and the live Sunday sessions come into play. We have to look at our thoughts. Okay. So again, even if you're not going to do YHR, you got to do this part. We have to look at our thoughts. If you're not going to invest in YHR, invest in somebody that can help you with this because our thoughts inform our beliefs, which inform our biology and our physical body. So they are not separate from our health. Hear me, hear me. Our thoughts, the thoughts that you think day in and day out are not separate from your physical health. And uh, this has been said before, and it's like such a good, a good thing to, to really like wrap your head around. Thoughts are not free. So your worries and your fears and your negative dialogue and your thoughts of resentment, all of those thoughts can affect neurotransmitters. They can affect your brain chemistry. They can affect that top-down communication. They can affect what the hypothalamus is saying to other things. And yes, they can affect your hormones. So again, we got to swim upstream and we have to watch your thoughts, question your thoughts, and even question your perception of reality. 
the thoughts that we think over and over and over again, those become our beliefs. And beliefs get anchored in as truths. And so we start living by those truths, what we perceive to be truths. We start living by those stories. And we start, we, we continue to run this program. I'm sure you've heard before that our habits and our thoughts are all subconscious programming. Like 95% of what we do and what we think are not new, right? We're so used to being in the, like, the same level of consciousness, 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 like the same program running and running and running and running that we have a very hard time making change because change requires us to open up to a new perspective, to start to question the program that we've been running. And we can't forget our show sponsor. When I start to feel my stress and anxiety kick it up a notch, like Emerald Lagasse, I personally lean on Ned's De-Stress Blend. It's a certified organic formula that features two powerful plant compounds, CBD, and then the lesser known CBG, which is considered the mother of all cannabinoids because of how effective it is for anxiety and stress. De-Stress Blend also features ashwagandha, one of my favorite adaptogens. And I think I say that about all the adaptogens. But ashwagandha was my gateway into adaptogenic herbs, so I do have a special love for it. Invest in yourself and fortify your stress response. Get 15% off of Ned's De-Stress Blend with code FUNK. Go to helloned.com forward slash FUNK or enter code FUNK at checkout. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash F-U-N-K to get 15% off. Thank you, Ned, for sponsoring the show and offering our listeners a natural remedy for some of life's most common health issues. And this one is for my low-carb Barbies. If you're struggling with headaches, muscle cramps, or fatigue on a low-carb diet, you are probably low in electrolytes. This is for two reasons. One is that whole foods, keto, or low-carb diets are low in sodium. When you cut out packaged foods, you basically cut out your main dietary, dietary sources of sodium. Also, you excrete more sodium in a carb-restricted state. But the good news is that replenishing electrolytes can really rectify symptoms pretty darn quickly. Element is my personal electrolyte of choice. It's super yummy, has everything you need and nothing you don't. The reality is every single person needs electrolytes, but if you're active or you're on a low-carb diet, you really extra need electrolytes to feel and perform your best. Right now, Element is offering my listeners a free sample pack with any purchase. That's eight single-serving packets for free with an Element order. It's a great way to try all the flavors, or you could share them with a friend. Get yours at drinkelement.com forward slash funk. That is D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com forward slash F-U-N-K. Element offers a no questions asked refund so you can try it risk-free. All right, back to the show. And so in YHR, these are some big things that I talk about. We talk, I talk about the overarching patterns that I've seen working with thousands of women. There's a, there's a lot of uh, commonalities, right? There's like a lot of common stories. There's a lot of societal patterns in program programs, and those things really influence our belief about ourselves and our thought patterns. If we want to change, we have to identify like where things get stuck having these limiting beliefs. We have to have the ability to identify limiting beliefs, stories that we're telling ourselves that might be holding ourselves back, and also specific places where things can get trapped in the body, 
right? Like where emotions can get stuck. That's a really big uh, live class that I teach is kind of how, how to identify that. And then of course, specific practices to move through them. And I do just want to shout out that while the functional lab testing is awesome for all the reasons that I talked about, we do offer tier two, which is no lab testing. So if, if the cost of the program is a real limiter to you, we offer tier two and all this stuff that I'm talking about, you don't actually need lab testing for this, right? You can participate. You can acknowledge your own limiting beliefs. You can identify these things. You can you can do the practices to move through them without having to do a lab test. Um, and then finally, another thing that we have to do is to identify our fears, okay? You can, sh- this is where I want you to come back. Again, if you've tuned out, if you're multitasking, come back to me here. We have to identify our fears because we can change our biochemistry by getting out of fear. So if you're in any type of fear, fear of growth, fear of expansion, fear of being seen, fear of getting sick, fear of staying sick, fear of being uh, using your voice, being heard, fear of saying no, fear of standing up for yourself, anything, like fill in the blanks. I just did a fear exercise, a couple of, it was a really good exercise. I'm actually going to bring it into YHR because I was like, whoa, this one like moves some things for me. Um, but I had to write out like one goal and then all the fears attached to that, at least 25 I had to write out. I'm like, 25? Oh, it was so easy to do it. And it really makes you pay attention to like how much fear is running the show. We really have like a a finite amount of energy. And so if we're constantly thinking fear-based thoughts, that our creation energy is going toward fear instead of back into your own healing. You know, I've said it before, we can either be in creation mode or uh, or in fear. We can either be in healing, creation mode, or in fear. The two cannot coexist. So which one are you going to choose? And on top of that, to kind of add insult to injury, if you've got that limbic system feedback going on, those thoughts are going to keep lighting it up and lighting it up and lighting it up and lighting it up. Okay. So are you hearing this? This is what I want you to hear. Your thoughts can create changes in your brain, which communicates to the rest of the body. Hormones, stress hormones, neurotransmitters, sex hormones, thyroid hormone, All of these hormones are made in response to what the brain tells the glands to do. If the brain is perpetually perceiving stress or lack of safety, it will continue to ring the alarm bells and set off that stress cascade. And that was me. I can talk about this. I can talk about this with experience because that was me. Um, Due to particular life experiences, my limbic system really caught in a feedback loop. My brain was essentially hunting for stressors. I was always scanning the environment for stressors. And when I get, I can tell when I'm getting stressed because I kind of, or like I'm overloaded because I go right back into that pattern. Um, so when I found them, if I did find a stressor, it was like proof positive back to my brain to stay on high alert. And little things that might not trigger you would trigger me because of this limbic system priming and because of my own filters. So like there would be like little mini traumas to my brain. So like certain smells, certain chemicals, certain foods, certain situation, and yes, certain thoughts. So addressing this concept of brain resiliency felt like the final frontier of my healing. I'm like, this is the secret sauce. This is 
the stuff. And so that's why I want to bring this brain component even more into the work that I'm doing. You know, I I talk a lot about stress here, right? I think we have to if we're talking, it's a health podcast. But I want to remind you that the goal of eradicating all stress is a futile goal. We, We can't do that, right? We can't get rid of all stress. The real goal, I would say, is to change the brain so it's more resilient to the things that might be throwing off its signaling, right? We want to change the brain so things, so stressors won't necessarily launch you into that fight or flight response all the time. Of course, everything I've set up into this point over the past four and a half years is true. You have to assess your life stressors. You have to recognize what's on your plate. You have to do your due diligence to take things off. That bathtub stress analogy that so many of you talk about, and I'm so grateful that 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 has landed. You have to, it's not just like scooping water out of the tub. You have to turn off the faucet. Like that's part of the work. And the other part of the work is recognizing when our brain is kind of just locked into this fight or flight response and then start to change the brain, right? Because all of this has real physiological downstream effects on your hormones, right? So if we're locked into that limbic system feedback loop, how do we unwind it? Of course, that's the question. The how, that's really something we're going to practice in your hormone revival. And I just want to say that this is a practice. It does require practice. If you want to change the the brain, repetition is kind of the name of the game. Um, And if you want to change your hormones and you want to change your body, hey, guess what? You got to change your brain. So if you are in need of support in this area, I do recommend the program. But right now I have three tips for you to start to pay attention to your own patterns as the first step of change, right? Pay attention to your own patterns. You can't change a pattern if you're not aware of it. So the first thing is to pay attention to how much you're consuming information versus how much you're integrating. Have you created space in your life to integrate? If not, where can you do this? Um, might I suggest the episode, I don't have the number off the top of my head, but creating a morning ritual, like that is a really great place to start, right? You can access that here. Free monies podcast, easy peasy. It's a game changer. It has the potential to change your life if you actually do it. Um, But if you're kind of in that consume, 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 kind of like hungry ghost, got to keep like feeding the beast and consuming and consuming, but never taking the time to embody what you're learning or put it into practice or integrate it. um, This actually is something to really pay attention to because this impulse for consumption actually does have a basis in your brain serotonin is the neurotransmitter that we all know. It's like our happy hormone, right? It helps us feel content. It also helps us sleep. So if you're not content and you're doing a lot of compulsive activities and you're not sleeping, something to pay attention to. If you're low in serotonin, um, what's a very common thing to do, because your brain is always trying to like balance itself. Your body's always trying to balance itself. So it's like, oh, gee, we're low here. Okay, we're going we're gonna to try to get some more over here. So you might be reaching for more reward signaling, uh, signaling from a dopamine hit, even though it might not help you feel good consistently long-term. It can help you feel good in the moment. And so there really is physiological 
things that are happening when you're reaching for your phone. We can over excrete, uh, excrete dopamine from our blue light from our devices. And then of course, just getting any notification on the phones, like a little dopamine hit, little dopamine hit. Um, so reaching for the phone can actually provide that dopamine hit. And so if you're uh, lower in serotonin, that might feel really good. That incessant scrolling can be dopamine seeking behavior. Other things that do this, wine, like kind of like to wind down at night, wine can do it. Uh, binge eating can do it. So really think about if this sounds like you, are you seeking out those reward, uh, you know, those reward behaviors? The next question that I want you to ask yourself, the next tip is that, so these things that you're doing to feel good, recognize that you're doing those to feel good. Sometimes just having the understanding of what's happening inside your brain makes you be like, oh, okay, well, I kind of get it here. It might not be enough to change the behavior, but the understanding can be very, very, very helpful. So recognize that these are things that you might be doing to feel good, number one. Number two, ask yourself, so those things that you're doing to feel good, the scrolling, the binge eating, the wine at night, are you actually allowing yourself to enjoy those things? This is the dramatic pause because I re- like this is an important thing. So you're doing these things to feel good. Are you allowing yourself to feel good when you do them? Because a lot of people, the answer to that is no, because we have these attachments and these storylines to behaviors. So let's say you're doing a dopamine uh, dopamine hit type behavior, like scrolling, reaching for the phone, right? Because your brain's like, I want to feel good. So you're reaching for your fo- phone, but then you have this story that reaching for your phone is not good. You're not going to actually allow yourself to even feel that good sensation. So I just want you to pay attention to all of this and like, what might you be doing to feel good? And then are you disallowing yourself to feel good because you're running it through a filter that says you shouldn't be doing this. This is bad. How can you feel good if you're doing something bad? So actually one, um, one kind of like mantra that I worked with for a while, uh, about a year ago that I found really helpful is things that I enjoy are good for me. That was the mantra. Things that I enjoy get to be good for me. Things that I enjoy get to be good for me. So like if you're going to do it anyway, can you get some fulfillment out of it? Can you get some enjoyment out of that? Because that, those chemicals of feeling good, really good for the brain, really good for the body. So if you're going to do something and to feel good, but then you're actually feeling guilty about it, not good for the brain, not good for the body. So think about that a little bit. And then the last thing that I want to suggest to you is uh, one final way to support the brain's communication is really to support the overall nervous system. So what type of nervous system supportive practices do you have in place? And are you doing them? Is it like, yeah, I meditate once in a blue moon, or sometimes I go to yoga. Do you have a daily practice. Because remember, in order to change the brain, what do we need? We need repetition. So are you repeating these practices? Or is it just kind of like a once in a while type of vibe? And if it is a once in a while type of vibe, why? Do you feel guilty for doing that? Do you feel like it's selfish? Are there storylines about why you shouldn't take care of yourself, why you need to be available for everybody else and everything else, but not your own well-being? Ooh, okay. Ooh, maybe we just uncovered something there. That's something to pay attention to too. But can you commit to doing something daily? Can you commit to it? So in YHR, we have our Sunday sessions together. We have breathwork practices. We have Reiki, art therapy. 
We have intuition practices. One, my, my oldest mentor of all time is coming into the program. I'm so stoked about it. She's never, I've never had her come in on any other program before. So this is going to be brand new. Uh, she's going to teach us intuition. She was the one who taught me intuition, how to read energy, um, 15 years ago. So she's coming in. We have meditations, multiple different styles, EFT tapping, Kundalini, sound healing, yoga, Nidra. So we have lots of different ways to support the brain, to support brain chemistry, to support top-down signaling. And really the purpose of this exposure is to find a practice that you love so you can consistently do it. So if you're not going to participate in the program, I do want you to promise yourself that you can find something and commit to a daily practice. And if you can't commit to 30 minutes a day, do 10 minutes a day. If you can't commit to 10 minutes a day, do five minutes a day. But get that repetition in if you want to change your brain and change your hormones. So I hope this, I know we were kind of all over the place with this episode, but it's all of it kind of fits the, uh, the overall theme, which is like, watch your thoughts your thoughts influence your physical body. And if we want to change the physical body and change the, uh, the brain chemistry and change the hormonal soup and feel better, then we have to start at the top. So I hope that this was helpful and I would love to see you in our final live round of Your Hormone Revival. And I will check you all next week. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you got something from today's show, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Take care of you.